Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. We are live. We are live on a Thursday. This is a new thing, listeners. Listeners on the old podcast feed. Uh, we love you all. We love you all. It's uh, it's Cop On Live. We're going to come at you, wherever you are, whoever you are, around the world, on the YouTube channel. You have to look up Cop On Podcast YouTube channel on Google, and you will find us. Please subscribe, please like it, and all that stuff. And uh, we're going to do a preview show every Thursday now, because on Friday, I figured out that there are so many wonderful content creators who had shows at exactly the same time, doing exactly the same thing, previewing Premier League matches. So I thought it'd be better to give you something on a Thursday that I can upload. Uh, I'm not going to edit it. So all of our faults, all of our foibles, all of our uh, mistakes and, you know, the stutters when we get too nervous talking about Mo Salah or Sadio Mane, I'm just going to leave them all in there. Um, but you're welcome. This is going out on YouTube. It's going out live so people can, you know, get into the chat. You can do some live things. Uh, so hopefully we're going to have a couple of comments in the chat as we go. But I'm delighted to be joined by Ryan and Abdul for this special, uh, you know, first time on a Thursday Premier League preview show for our YouTube and podcast listeners. And just before we get going, Christmas is coming. Okay, Christmas is coming. And if you're like me, you're a completely lazy and disorganized individual. And if you are like me, that's okay. I think laziness and disorganization are looked down upon in society, but I think it should be encouraged. Like if more people stayed in and did nothing and were fine with that, just watching TV, playing games, doing whatever you want, then it's good for the environment. This is how I justify it. Okay, so yes, my social life is a, you know, it's a once in a blue moon thing. Um, but also, it gives me time to look at loads of videos on YouTube to teach, uh, you know, to, sorry, to learn things, teach myself. I think he's gone. Uh oh, <laughs> well, oh, oh, hang oh, on. I lost my connection there. Sorry, I was rambling. I did I did I disappear for a while? You got stuck. Four seconds. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's the connection. It's all right. I've, I've been having. Uh, if you move to France, don't go with SFR. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Um, Will do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, what was I rambling on about? Um, can't remember. But basically, Christmas is coming, and if you're disorganised like me, I recommend the easiest thing you can possibly do for anyone who loves Liverpool Football Club around you. Maybe even yourself. Maybe you can ask someone else to do that. Is go to Cali Designs, who have, you know, gladly, you know, happily, really amazingly sponsored us for our YouTube stuff. Uh, so you go to Cali Designs, uh, go.co.uk, and Cali is an amazing Liverpool artist. And I'm going to show you Ryan and Abdul and, uh, you know, anyone watching uh, on YouTube, some of his amazing work right now. Hang on, hang on. Um, there you go. Uh, Ryan, you're, you're a verbose man. Um, if I get rid of this filter on, uh, which is actually no, I'm, I'm loving yeah, the of this weave. Yeah, so, describe what you're seeing, Ryan. So it's Jürgen Klopp with the craziest, uh, bushiest of hair. Uh, which he, is he looks like a, a Captain Caveman filter. Yes, Captain he does. Oh, there you go. I take, I take, I've taken the filter. An area is looking very. Now handsome. we see. <clears throat> yeah, we see Callie's artwork, and I'm gonna 
show you in, in great detail Kelly's artwork of Jurgen Klopp there. Can you describe it, Ryan, just how freaking brilliant it is? It's incredible. Can I ask, is this a photo or a or like it's, a, it's an a drawing. actual drawing exactly that's it's incredible that like that that level of detail that photo realism deserves deserves praise deserves it, to be on your does. wall viewer slash yeah. listener yeah and me but my problem is i don't even have a nail to put it up on the wall but i've got to go that's ah. my next thing i've been so disorganized and lazy as i was referring to early earlier that uh I've, i haven't even got a nail to put this up but anyway um it's freaking brilliant. Abdul, what do you think of this uh, that, uh, you know, the, the, the listeners can only imagine? Well, you know, from my uh, untrained eye, I would say that's a great, great sketch work there, you know. Great, great use of the HB2 pencil. You know, he's really <laughs> captured uh, Klopp's beard in a, you know, really startling light. I think it's a really photorealistic uh, rendering of Klopp's likeness. I think it's excellent, excellent work, you know. Can't rate Lovely. it higher. Definitely something for the connoisseurs. Absolutely. And and you see, all you have to do for Christmas is you go to calidesigns.co.uk and you put in the code COPON10 and you can get this incredible artwork. Or, for example, I'll show you one more and then we'll actually get on with what we're going to do. And that's pre preview the Premier League matches for this weekend. But um, listeners, you can only imagine how good this is. But this is Tiago Alcantara in mid-jump, sort of jumping and controlling a ball. And honestly, it's it's 10 out of 10. You get the movement, you get you get the movement, you get the energy, you get the excitement. And in my opinion, you get you get you you can understand just from looking at the art how much of a fan Cali is of the team, of the of of the players. You know, Tiago, he really captures his essence. And I've got to say, um, I'm not just saying it because he's a sponsor, because I don't I don't allow being sponsored by anyone. I was just really happy to be sponsored by Cali because he's freaking brilliant. Anyway, let's go through. Let's start. The Premier League is is here. It's back. And I just Googled before we started the longest geological period in history and it was the pre-cambrian period that's what it's known as and it went from the formation of the earth about 4.53 billion years ago and ended about 542 million years ago so it lasted about four billion years um ryan did the last international break seem a bit longer than that to you because it did to me I had short hair when it started. <laughs> and for the listeners, it's now extremely long. Yes. Yes. It's like past Excellent. my neck. <laughs> it's great hair. It's great hair. So tell us, this weekend, okay, what started? The first game is Leicester versus Chelsea. Okay. Um, you know, a bit of intrigue. Uh, I don't know. What's the most intriguing thing that, you know, jumps out at you from that? Uh, fixture off the bat, off the cuff. So I think this is a real test of Chelsea's title credentials. Um, looking at opposition fixtures, and I tend not to do this that often, but when I look at the, the list of fixtures, it's this sort of game away at Leicester, you know, higher end of mid-table slash lower end of the top of the league. Um, 
these are the games that you want your rivals to drop points in, or you hope you're, that that are most likely for your rivals to drop points in. Um, and I think if Chelsea can get a win here, it, it kind of demoralises. Other like I, I remember when we beat Leicester, I think it was either just before or just after we got back from the Club World Cup the season we won the league. And I thought it was a massive result for us when we beat them. And I think if Chelsea can get a win away at the King Power, then it sadly is a big result for them. Yeah, it's a great answer. It it, it would be a really big result, wouldn't it, Abdul? I mean, um, yeah, it's 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 you know Jurgen Klopp. What am I talking about? Tom Tuchel. Get my German managers mixed up. Tommy Tuchel, Tommy Ball uh, against Brendan Rodgers, and I don't know. Um, you know, Leicester are unbeaten in their last three uh, home matches against Chelsea. They've won one. They've drawn two. Is it time for a Chelsea win? Or has Brendan just got the better of Chelsea in general? Good question. Yeah, like Ryan says, it definitely is a big test of Chelsea's title credentials. Uh, I think everybody agrees that they're, well, I think unless you're a City fan and even non-City fans, I would say that, you know, it's, it's between Chelsea and City right now as the two favourites and uh, Chelsea out ahead. They're pretty good form. Um but this is where the season actually starts, isn't it? Like all of those 11 games before this point, it's just kind of like, you know, getting to grips with it. But I think every, I think Liverpool are on like every three days for the next six weeks now, aren't we? It's so beautiful. Literally. So um, I can imagine Chelsea are going to be on a similar kind of run. So yeah, this is it where they have to really prove their, where, where Tommy Tuchel proves, proves uh, his credentials, like what he was brought in for. I don't know if he's going to win. I think are they away from home? Yeah, is that is that Leicester? It's going to be and the order it appears on the screen. So Leicester are, are at home for this one. So I reckon uh, I reckon Rogers will want a result as well. So I I mean obviously want a result, but I think I think it's it might be a tight one. But I don't know. I really don't know. I'm really excited. But uh, just just a quick side side thing. Just as we Ooh. started, actually, there's a big announcement. Uh, Premier League's just announced a new six-year deal with NBC worth more than $2 billion. So, wow. Yeah, a lot more money, hopefully, pouring into our pockets. Well, I mean, it'd be nice if it was our pockets, but yes, I think I know what you mean. Like, in terms of the club, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, well, that's, uh, that is big news. That is big news. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Okay, great for the clubs, great for the league. Um, Marvellous stuff. Uh, that's good to know. Um, with Leicester and Chelsea, um, I'm going to stay with you, uh, Abdul. I'm going to ask you both the same question. Um, Abdul, do you think Chelsea, because Chelsea, if you look at the XG table, they are plus seven for goals, expected goals. So they, they've scored seven more than expected. And they're actually minus seven for goals conceded. So they should have conceded seven more goals. Um they're being very clinical. They've been very clinical. And of course, uh, Mendy, especially Mendy in, in goal, Edouard Mendy has been absolutely fabulous for them at the back. But I mean, is that going to revert to the norm? Have they been a bit lucky or have they just got brilliant players? So it's normal that the XG model, you can chuck it out the window. What do you think, Abdul? Yeah, I, I could go on about this for ages. I've got theories about the whole, you know, statistical revolution of football and blah, 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 blah. Overall, I am a supporter of xg and xa and 
all of it, and I think it is a good step forward. I do feel, however, it doesn't tell the full picture. Um, but yeah, in terms of Chelsea, uh, I think, yeah, over time it will probably revert to the zero point. But I think what Chelsea have done really well since Thomas Tuchel came in is like, um, first things first, he set up a very clear system and a structure. Um, he galvanised the players, got them motivated, got them back behind him, changed the energy around the squad because obviously they're a bit downhearted after you know what was happening with Frank. But then um, individually, the quality is there that they can create luck. Uh, and I know Klopp says it a lot, but like you have to create luck by fighting for the smallest margins and then you'll get that little lucky break. And I think Chelsea are doing that really well at the moment. Um, and I think Thomas Tuchel is using his squad very, very well as well. When it comes to the fullbacks, you know, he's playing people on merit and they're giving them performances that they, you know, that he picked them for. And uh, Havertz is now kind of starting to get into it. And the midfield's always been solid. The backline's always been solid. But I think they've hit a really nice bit of flow, Chelsea. And I can see them extending their form. It's just... It's just about whether they can survive this next period because everybody's going to come for them. They are the team at the top and everybody's going to be gunning to, to give them a, a scalping. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't think he's been in this situation before, Tuchel. He's at, at Dortmund. He didn't really challenge for the title. At PSG, the title was a given. Last season, it wasn't really for him to challenge for a title considering where he joined them at. So this is his first proper real he's got pressure on his head basically and he has to deliver. So it'll be interesting to see if he loses his head or if he keeps it. Yeah. I mean, I would say when, when he was at PSG, he had, a, he had a lot of injuries, but the, but the season when, when Lille won just a couple of seasons back when he lost his PS, the job at PSG, he, he, he did sort of, you know, there were lots of cracks in the armor, but that could just be, could have just been due to the injuries to the players, but no, there's a really, really good answer. Thank you, Abdul. And uh, Ryan, what do you what do you make of it at Chelsea? Because I mean, you know, it could just be down to the the opposition as well. I mean, Leicester have kept just one clean sheet in their last seventeen Premier League games. So I mean, you know, they, anyone can score against Leicester these days. Um, what do you think about Chelsea, though? Do they deserve to be where they are? So the league table doesn't lie, certainly not at this stage in the season. I think Chelsea do deserve to be where they are. I thought they were great when they turned up at Anfield. I thought they were really hard to break down and that's what title winning teams are built on. Built on that really strong back line and they've got that. Leicester seemed to be struggling from almost the same problems that Klopp had when he was at Liverpool in that they play some really attractive football but they're defensively weak. Um, not to get me wrong, a lot of that's come from injuries this season. They've not got Fafana, they've had James Justin missing for large parts of it. Didi's been out for large parts of it. I'm not convinced by Rodgers as an elite level manager. And I, I was a big defender of Rodgers during his time at Liverpool. So, you know, for my mates watching this, there'll be a bit of a got your moment there. But um, I think. I just think Leicester are the perfect team for Chelsea to play right now in that they will come at them and, and sure, they're, they're all right at counter-attacking football, but it's not the kind of football that I associated with Rodgers when he was here. Um, and just think they'll be a little bit too open, they'll be a little bit too soft at the back. And even with you know Lukaku out or Werner out, 
Chelsea have got at least one goal in them in this game, I think, and I think they will get it. And I'm not convinced Leicester can penetrate that back line. Although, you know, Jamie Vardy's Jamie Vardy, so who knows? I also yeah, think, um, um, <laughs> sorry, all of this United stuff around Rodgers as well, do you think that might be turning his head slightly? Might make him a bit more, you know, do something reckless this weekend? Or has I think it's inflating his head a bit. More, more pictures of himself in his office, but other than that, I don't think I don't think he wants to go to. I I secretly think that Rodgers wants the Chelsea job, um, and is that that'll be the next big club he goes to. I don't think he wants. I think he knows Rodgers isn't stupid. If a little bit egomaniacal, um, I think he knows how much of a mess United are in fundamentally, and that there's a much better setup there at Chelsea for him if he just waits it out, and eventually he'll get that job. But not if he gets the United job. I I think it's curious. I think if he was if he was up at, offered the United job, he would take it. I don't think he's loyal to having managed Liverpool once. Although I think he should be. I I, I don't like it if if managers you know do a Luis Figo so to speak, or even players do it, and they you know they go from one rival club to another. I don't like that. But that's just me and my, when my sort of, I don't know, my foibles, my tribal nonsense. But no, it's very, very interesting. Of course, us Liverpool fans, we're going to be supporting Leicester. Um, I see Josh is in the chat now. Thanks. Hi, Josh. Uh, sorry about the mix up with the times. He was he was going to join us to give us a point of view from Chelsea. But I completely messed up the times. Excuse me. Time difference is all a bit complicated these days. And Alan asks, what's for dinner, Abdul? Have you got anything nice for dinner? <laughs> I, I already had pasta. Don't worry, I won't put you guys through pasta. that already. Very nice. Very Cheers, nice. Alan. Okay, let's <laughs> let's move on then. I'm not going to do predictions because, uh, you know, anything can happen, basically. But Wolves versus West Ham. Let's move on to the next fixture. Um, last season, West Ham completed their first league double over Wolves since the 1922-23 season. Uh, so 98 years uh, ago, um, Moisey, Moisey's working wonders. Of course, he is. I mean, they beat us. Um, on reflection, Ryan, they beat us. Uh, they had three shots on target the whole game. They had seven shots in total. We had sixteen shots with five on target. Although, yes, there were parts of that game that were very, very ugly from a Liverpool point of view. Uh, you know, I, I, I said in the last podcast that our, you know, our defensive midfield work, I mean, it looks like our, our midfield is made of mashed potato with that soft. But um, I thought, nevertheless, we were unlucky to lose that game. Uh, in retrospect, would you would you agree? And and what do you think about this Wolves West Ham? It should be a huge test for them tomorrow, uh, Saturday. So no, I don't think we were unlucky to lose the game against West Ham. I thought we made our own look in that game. I thought we were poor in midfield, and ultimately it cost us. I think it'd be the most David Moyes thing, having just come off the back of a big win over Liverpool, to go out and get done by Wolves. That being said, I. I think there's some there's there's a, a genuine steal to West Ham this season, and I think it's a good time to be a West Ham fan. It's the nicest way I can put that. <laughs> but you I've said earlier, right? 
It's mental. Yeah, never seen them so good. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I haven't seen them so mm. good since the 90s when they had Joe Cole and Rio Ferdinand coming through and Lampard. They, they were, uh, you know, really exciting young team then. But uh, yeah, exactly. This team's probably even better. Absolutely. You said before, Ryan, that the league table doesn't lie. That means that West Ham are third. West Ham are better than Liverpool? You told me there. No, no, no. Uh, but they have <laughs> the better start of the season. They just have. Uh, the performance against us at their horrible, horrible stadium um, was brilliant. I thought they would, you know, they, they had moments of class. They, they had bottle for days uh, and actually went after us in a way that very few teams do outside of like City, essentially. Chelsea didn't go at us like the way West Ham went at us. You know? Although Chelsea were at Anfield. Yeah. I mean, it's just like uh, everything about David Moyes that we, we thought we knew about him from Everton days and the Man United days and Real Sociedad and wherever else he went. It all just feels like it's, uh, it's like he's a new man. He's like uh, got amazing tactics, got his team playing this high-pressing football, gung-ho, Antonio swaggered, like... Declan Rice breaking everybody's eyeballs. It's uh yeah, really good time to be a West Ham fan. And I've known West Ham fans through my life and they always want good attacking football and always been disappointed in the results that they get. But yeah, literally what a time to be a West Ham fan. So yeah, long may it continue. Well, not not for Liverpool. Obviously, hopefully <laughs> Liverpool can. But yeah, long may it continue for West Ham fans. Yeah, I mean, but they gotta drop points at, at some point and Wolverhampton Wanderers I mean they're in eighth place on uh, 16 points and, and, and I think Bruno Lars has you know shown himself already to be very astute um, he's got he brought in a Huang really good player um, and I haven't seen much of them I'll be honest in terms of full 90s but I've caught highlights I've been following the results and you know they've they've uh, for example they've they've conceded um uh, 12 goals, which is the same amount as Brighton, but they've conceded five fewer goals than Manchester United, one fewer than Arsenal, one fewer than West Ham. They're very organised, and that's the thing that is uh, impressing me uh, with Bruno Lager. Have either of you been keeping in, uh, you know, any kind of eye, we, close or far, from uh, on, on Wolves and, and the Wolverhampton Wanderers? So... Um, a really good mate of mine's a Wolves fan, so I've always got a little bit of a soft spot for them, and, and obviously the Connor Cody connection as well helps. Um, I think to to use a very cliched phrase, it's a transitional season. You know, they've spent so long with Nuno at the helm. Bruno Lage has come in. I don't think it's a full in, an entire sea change. You know, that they've not gone from being I don't know a Sam Allardyce team to to Barcelona under Pep but there are changes there that, that are making them a little bit more expansive or a little bit more pleasing on the eye at least um, Jimenez coming back in has been really important for them I thought Huang uh, has, has come in and done really well for, for a guy coming in from the Austrian League you know we've seen it with Taki it's not always the most seamless of transitions um, but, but that guy looks you know really strong really you know suited to the physicality of the Premier League? 
yeah, he's doing really well. He's doing really, really well. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, you know something to that they can improve on. Wolves is, is goals and becoming more expensive. Uh, they've only scored eleven in eleven matches. But uh, Josh in the chat he says Wolves are getting better and better week by week, and it was always going to take time. Uh, but yeah, I agree uh, with that. You know, for, for you know the, the way they play now against Nuno, I mean, it's 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 an obvious improvement, isn't it? It's really really good. Okay, let's move on to the next one. And the next one, I was listening to the Anfield rap earlier. I really love the Anfield rap. Uh, Neil Atkinson uh, summed this up really well because he said it's a game that if I were Man United, I wouldn't be asked with Watford Man United because. Man United are expected to win, you know, but Watford have shown signs of improvement, you know, under Ranieri. They look harder and harder to beat. They've got more and more to look forward to. And so if Man United win, then it's like, well, okay, they beat Watford. But there seems to be a lot more chance that they won't win, Abdul, uh, um, compared to a few weeks ago, certainly. Uh, What do you think of this one? Oh, the circus that is Man United. Um, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I think Atkinson hit it on the head. If they win, they don't even really save their victories anymore. They just want Ollie out. And if they lose, they want him out even more. So um, I don't really know what much to say about him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a big challenge for Ollie. He needs to start pulling out the results out of the bag now. He needs to um, start getting performances out of the bag now as well because... If the rumours are to be believed, United are looking at replacing him very, very soon or at the very, at the end of the season. Uh, Watford, uh, yeah, I've been kind of impressed with Ranieri, uh, but I'm not 100% sure if they will get a result here. But they are at home. I think Ranieri's put in two weeks of work. So, yeah, there might be a surprise result there. It'd be great to see. It'd be great to see. I, I mean, it certainly would. What would you do if if you were if you were the Man United board? I mean, isn't Zidane still out of a job? Surely, you would, you know, go for him, you know, over Oli to. Yeah. So, I was listening to Julian Laurent talking about this, and he was saying that Zidane's waiting for the France job uh, after the World Cup. So, uh-huh. if I was Zidane, I wouldn't go near United. There's, there's no. There's nothing. There's nothing there for them. I think they got they got potential though. Uh, sorry for losing the connection again. That will happen once in a while as the you know the satellite that they've 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 lost uh, goes around the Earth and comes back. Uh, but um, yeah, I think they've got a lot of potential. And all you need is something that they've needed for a couple of a couple of years. Is is you know to to bin Harry Maguire, but don't just keep him because he's expensive. Um, and uh, well, maybe not bin him, but add to your defence and defensive midfield, and you know, so that to stop being so soft. Um, I think there's a lot of potential going forward, though, Abdul. I don't know what would you. I mean, what would you do if you were in charge of United? Uh, yeah, I think I would be giving Zidane a blank check like I don't think there is a better manager out there they should have got Conte if if they had the balls but they clearly didn't Uh, but I don't know there's something admirable about the approach that they're taking they said that you know Oli's been here for three years and this is 
the first kind of real blip that he's had, which is fair enough. I think Oli has done a good job relatively. Uh, he's taken United out of a pretty dark period and given them some kind of spark. Um, but yeah, the, it's a results game. So if he doesn't bring out the results, then yeah, I would definitely be getting rid of him. At Manchester United, you're supposed to be the biggest club in the, in the world. So if your manager is glaringly subpar and you've got to hope that... Well, I actually hope that they don't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're running a club that big, you've got to hope that you you know a bit about football to see that he's glaringly subpar. And then you've got to pull the trigger. Man United don't want for money. They don't need to haggle with anything. Just get Zidane in and uh, start playing to the strengths of your squad. Get Pogba unleashed finally by defensive midfielder. Get another centre-back in, like you said, and uh, coach them well. And I think there's a very good team there for United. But yeah, if they do at the end of the season, I think it still might be good for them. It gives them a bit of time to prepare a landing strip for the new manager. So whichever way they go, I think either Oli proves himself or they get a new manager ASAP. I think they're waiting for Poch. Ooh, you think Poch, for Poch is, you know, Yeah. I don't think he's having a good time in France, to be fair. Owen, you're the expert on this, but he seems to be struggling to to get the team that he's got playing the football he wants because he hasn't really got the players to play the football that he wants, Um, which is mad when you consider all the riches of PSG. But I think there's a squad more suited to Pochettino's style of football at United than there is at PSG. Um, I think they've wanted Poch for a while didn't go for him when he went to PSG and they should have. Um, and I think they wait and go and get him in the summer, let him win a league in, in France. And then you can say, well, we've got this proven title winner coming in and, and you can ignore some of the criticisms valid or not uh, of French football. Uh, and you've got yourself a league winner manager. He's probably not going to win the, the Champions League at PSG, but he might. Doesn't really change anything. I think the fans want him. I think, he's, if, I think if you're going to ask the fans who they want, I think the majority would, at the minute, say Pochettino. It I, could I, be I, a... Go on. No, I really think United, if they are smart, they really would go for Graham Potter. I think yes. he plays a similar... Like, he plays a good style of football that they want to see there at Old Trafford. He's British... Um, he's from this new generation of coaches like Nagelsmann and Xavi and, you know, um, Eric Ten Hag, where they really do have a clear idea about structure. And it's the complete opposite, I think, of what Oli gives. And uh, yeah, I think it would be such a such a good move for them. But I don't think they have the balls to make a shrewd move like that, basically. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they would go for... I think Graham Potter would be a great appointment for loads of clubs. Arsenal, you know, the the traditional, like, big clubs. Tottenham could have gone for him. That would have been great. But I think well done for them for getting Conte. Uh, But, uh, yeah, but the thing with United, for me, you see, is that at the moment, Ole um, has got three trophies as a manager to his name. Two Norwegian league titles and one Norwegian cup. If Pochettino wins, he could easily win the domestic treble here in France, not necessarily, but he could easily do it and then fail as PSG usually do in the Champions League for one reason or another. Um, if he, Even if he wins the domestic treble, I mean, PSG have sacked their manager for, for less, to be honest, in the past. It's, it's very strange. But um, 
they uh they uh they're pretty you know it's like the, the owners don't really care they only care about the champions league um but yeah even if poch comes to england after that i think united could should go for someone you know with the profile of zidane as who's already won the champions league who's already you know like really got a, a long cv of of uh, you know of success uh, of course, they tried that with Mourinho, but that was the wrong fit because he's like a defensive-minded, spend you know, spenderholic um, who likes to exhaust his players, and you know, people are quite tired of listening to the guy. I think, but uh, so go on. I was just going to say the other problem with Zidane. Um, now, obviously, I don't know the guy, but reputationally, he's, he's viewed as very much a man manager. Uh, capable of getting the best out of really big players. The problem that you'd have with Zidane going to United is that he doesn't speak English. Yeah, but I think I think that's something that some people say is is a factor. And it can be. I mean, it depends, you know, like I don't know how good Unai Emery's translator was at Arsenal, but I think it depends on the translator. Bielsa, for example, you know, still, you know, doesn't speak English in public, but I'm sure he's a lot better now. But, you know, he's he's had a translator for ages. Pochettino, when he came, uh, was it at Southampton when he uh, he had a translator for a long time? He still managed to get his ideas across. Um, and I think Zidane could anyway. But I want to think about that because I want to think about Liverpool. I want to move on. I want to think about the, you know, manager success because the next game that we're going to talk about is Villa versus Brighton. Okay, and there are lots of Liverpool fans who seem to think it's inevitable that Steven Gerrard will is just on this path back to L4, uh, and it's a matter of time before he becomes uh, the Liverpool manager. I don't want to see it for years. But they asked him those those uh, journalists, the uh, what do you call them? Sort of, um, I want to say soul sucking. It might be a bit a bit harsh, but they asked him, you know, is it not a bit, you know, what do you think about, you know, Aston Villa being a stepping stone in your career? And Stephen Gerrard said, okay, and I quote, I'm all in and I will give this job everything that it needs for it to be a success. I'll be 100% committed and so will my staff. It's very unfair to ask me that. And you'll never hear me saying that it's a stepping stone. For me, I'm really honoured and proud to be in this position. That's what he said. That's the start of what he said. So he said, it's very unfair and you'll never hear me see, hear me saying it's a stepping stone. But then the very next thing he said was, there is nothing wrong in football with having dreams and aspirations, but Liverpool have already got a world-class coach and Jurgen Klopp and that they are happy with. So obviously he's saying, I'm never going to say it's a stepping stone, but I'm definitely, I definitely want the Liverpool job. I don't know, Abdul. Um, I think he's miles away from uh, Liverpool in my estimation. Uh, what do you think about Gerard going to Villa and then this being his first game, Villa versus Brighton? And also, the last game of the season is Villa versus Manchester City as well. So there you go. The whole Steven Gerrard thing, Villa, Brighton, go wherever you want, Abdul. Yeah, uh, I think everybody's been waiting for this ever since he got, you know, into uh, under-19 coaching. We were like... He's need, he needs to do a proper first-team job before we can trust him with the Liverpool throne. And I think 
that's been the majority opinion from the entire fan base. So obviously, you've got a few few crazy people who think, oh, let, let, just let give him the job. He's Steven Gerrard. He'll do a great job. But I think everybody does feel like he needs to prove himself. So I think we're all glad that he's at a Premier League club now um, and we can see what he's really made of. I think Villa have got a cracking starting eleven. to be fair. Uh, and yeah, they need an energy change. And I think the Gerrard appointment for them is actually quite a good one because he's definitely a guy full of energy. Um, how are you? How are you, an Aston Villa player right now, and you're not buzzing to go into training tomorrow morning because you know that Steven Gerrard is going to be there, taking you out for a few drills, taking you out for a shooting practice, going to be screaming for Gerrard, or you take a shot yourself, you know? <laughs> so, I think it's definitely what Villa needed. We'll have to see how the results go, but it can't get any worse. I mean, they've lost their last five games in a row. Um, I think I go into really big. Uh, a really long Twitter debate yesterday. If everybody, if anybody remembers the Twitter user Copology, uh, I think he's still about. He's a different name now, but um, you know, very, uh, very, very ego-driven guy. But we we basically got into it because somebody was saying um, that Pep Linders deserves to be considered for the Liverpool job when and if Klopp eventually says that he wants to go, and everybody was like oh, that's ridiculous. Why would you ever say that? When the time comes, we need to have somebody who's completely proven at the top level. There, there will definitely be a better candidate than Pep Linders at that point. And it's like, yeah, maybe there will be. Maybe there will be. But I think Pep Linders does deserve to have his credentials viewed, at least, by Michael Gordon and Julian Ward when they're making the decision. Um, I think, you know, we have a history at this club, the boot room, the way that Paisley followed Shankly. We have something really good for us here set up. We have a very clear philosophy, structure. From the top to the bottom, the club works very well. So when it does come to time for Klopp to step away, I don't necessarily want to hire somebody who's going to come in with like brand new ideas. Like, yeah, brand new ideas, cool. Work on the details, but we're not going to rip up the, the game plan, you know? Um, and Pep Linders might be the right person for that. And maybe Steven Gerrard will be as well. But if he doesn't do so well at Villa, then I wouldn't put him as high up my list as Pep Linders. But yeah, I'll throw that it's one out really to you interesting. guys. Yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. Ryan, I'm going to go to you about it because I would say that Pep Linders, no matter what happens between here and 2024, no matter what happens, unless Steven Gerrard somehow manages to win the Premier League, I would say that Pep Linders is more qualified or will be more qualified than Steven Gerrard because he's been an assistant. He's been in the camp that has won the Premier League, that has won the Champions League, that has gone on record-breaking runs in terms of uh, unbeaten runs at home and uh, tons of records that Liverpool have broken in the past three or four years. I think Pep Linders or Linders is, is, is much more qualified. What do you think? I don't think Pep is. Um, I'll be honest, I don't want Klopp to ever leave. I think that's what, my position <laughs> on this. But yeah. when he does, um, I don't necessarily want either uh, Linders or Gerard to take over. I think, you know, if Klopp walked out the door now, I'd be like, Eric Ten Hag um, would be my pick. Now, can I see Linders or Gerard being given the job? Yes. 
course can. I think this is a bad decision from Gerard. I don't get why he's gone to Villa. I don't. I don't see what. Like, I, I can't see him winning a cup. I can't see him winning the league. I can see him maybe getting into the Europa League and having a decent cup run, but I can't really see like if Leicester aren't winning the Europa League, then I can't see Villa winning the Europa League. At Rangers, he did some good stuff, but a lot of it was more Neil Lennon shot holes in the boat at Celtic and Celtic's level dropped rather than Rangers. Like, Rangers' level did increase under Gerrard, but it didn't increase by as much as Celtic's dropped. I think if Brendan Rodgers, for example, was still in charge at Celtic, they'd be winning 10 in a row last season. Yeah, I just think he should have stayed at Rangers. I think he's as likely to be given the Liverpool job having stayed at Rangers and got them into the you know the Champions League or the, the, the scenic route to the Europa League knockout stages as he is going and finishing somewhere between 7th and 13th at Villa. Like, in an ideal situation, if Gerard was going to be given the Liverpool job, I'd like Linders to still be his number two. And we keep the continuity that way. Um, I think whichever way you go with those two, there's still an element of the boot room philosophy there, which is good. Yeah, but I, I think, think um, with go on, okay. yeah, Villa, yeah, they're not going to win a title or trophy this season. Um, and I think Gerard knew that. But I think for Villa, the reason why they wanted Gerard in, other than rather than any other manager, was because when they lost Grealish this summer, they lost, you know their talisman, their kind of heart and soul of their club at, the, at, at that time. And they didn't really replace that in any kind of players that they signed. But Steven Gerrard, I feel like they think that he can come in and be this larger-than-life figure, like Klopp was for us, who can kind of galvanise the club and be a, a talismanic figure for Villa. And maybe they won't win, they won't win that much, uh, and maybe they won't get high up the table, but it will at least keep Villa fans very entertained and I think that's also what Gerard wants to prove at Villa. I think he wants to prove that he is an electric figure on the sideline and he will get big results and big moments and he'll be a blockbuster manager, basically. And then hopefully he thinks that the Liverpool hierarchy will be like, well, Klopp's leaving. We need somebody who's got a similar electric kind of talismanic energy. I think that is pretty much what everybody's thinking is. But yeah, you're right. I think even if he had stayed at Rangers he would have had the exact same chance of being a Liverpool manager when the time came. So it's a risk for Gerrard, I think. But the fact that he's taken it, I think it's it says a lot about him. Yeah, very interesting. Very, very good answer. We can talk for ages and ages about this, I'm sure. But we've got other games to follow uh, okay. and, uh, and preview. For, for on, on, on Saturday, there were three more three o'clock kickoffs. Burnley, Crystal Palace. Can't really be bothered to talk about that one. Sean Dyche against, uh, you know, Gallagher and uh, and Zaha. Other than I, I like Crystal Palace this season. Um, Sean Dyche is Sean Dyche. Uh, there you go. That's the, that's the preview <laughs> of that one. Uh, Norwich, Southampton, Dean Smith. Back in the Premier League after one week in which he was cycling around Central Park, he said, um, I like Dean Smith. Good luck to him. And that's the preview of Norwich Southampton. Uh, Newcastle, Brentford. I do want to ask you very quickly, guys, before we talk about Liverpool Arsenal, which is the big one, of course, for us. Um, Newcastle, Brentford, Ryan, uh, Eddie Howe. 
Um, for me, he's on a hiding to nothing at Newcastle. But what do you think about it? I like Eddie Howe. Uh, I think, you know, his Bournemouth team played pretty football. Um, don't get me wrong, the, the, the edge closer and closer and closer to, to relegation and eventually went down and sure. Um, but for the, for the most part, like, I think he's a decent manager. I think, I think Newcastle have got a big enough checkbook to help him get, I, I just don't know who it is. Like, when, when, like if, if I cast my mind back all the way to like when Chelsea got that money, you're like, well, they're going to raid West Ham. Or when City got all that money, you, you could play like a little bit of footy manager and just be like, well, uh, yeah, of course, you go out and sign Rubinho. I can't see a Newcastle sign. I think there's already a, a too many super rich clubs. And, and I include Liverpool in that. In that we are a more attractive proposition that can probably pay comparative wages to, to Newcastle and get the players that we want. There's Chelsea, City, United, Tottenham are probably a more attractive proposition, which means Arsenal are, which means Leicester are. Uh, PSG are out there still. Bayern Munich are out there still. Juve, both Milan clubs, are probably, if they can't pay the same amount of money, are still a bigger attraction. Uh, even even Barca, as cash-strapped as they are, and I love the Dani Alves move, um, are still a more attractive proposition than Newcastle. I don't get why people would go there. The money is great and everything, but you can get great money other places. And I don't see the 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 tidal wave of world class talent. I don't see a, a Juan Veron rocking up at, at St James's Park or the modern equivalent to that. I just it's your ideas on a hiding to nothing. Yeah, but I think I think he is. But I think if uh, you know, money talks, and there are so many really interesting mm. players, really, really good players who are up for uh, who are out of contract, and, that, and that ha- that's happening more and more in football, where players are, are letting their contracts run down so that they can get great the signing on bonuses, and they can, you know, you know, get super high wages. And as long as there is no wage cap in the Premier League, then they can they can go to town if. Eddie Howe keeps them up. And I think if he keeps them up, if he manages to keep them up, I think they can quite easily bin him off in the summer, get a more high-profile manager, like uh, see if, uh, you know, Carlo Magnifico wants another shot at Premier League action. See if Rafa, after being sacked by Everton because he's adored by the Newcastle faithful, see if they... Give Rafa a shot at money with money for once. Rafa with money. Imagine that. He's never had it, really. Um, you know, I think I think that's why he's on a hiding stuff. But in terms of attracting players, if they're on a free transfer and if you're a player and you have no particular affinity to any English club, you're Brazilian, for example, you're from Argentina, and, you know, you're quite like Man United or you're quite like Liverpool or Arsenal, but, you know... Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal are all offering you a hundred grand a week. Newcastle are offering you four hundred grand a week. Obviously, that becomes a bit of an appeal, you know. So I think, and I think that's how they're going to get get these big players. Is initially, anyway, is by giving them the big bucks. Um, what do you reckon about Eddie Howe and Newcastle? The whole situation, Abdul. 
I think, firstly, I thought the Eddie Howe move was really smart from them. Not just because he's a, he plays a good style of football, but didn't he keep Bournemouth up like four seasons in a row in a relegation Indeed, battle? Yeah, four out of five yeah. seasons. Yeah, absolutely. So first things first, that was a short-term kind of, you know, we need a manager who's going to help us stay up. And Eddie Howe has got a proven track record of doing that. Secondly, um, yeah, he does play pretty football, like Ryan said. And uh, and it's interesting he said pretty because, uh, you know, if you try and describe Man City, for example, you wouldn't just say pretty, you'd say, you know, calculated, ruthless, you know, and also pretty. But yeah, that is kind of the potential flaw with Eddie Howe. Like, it's pretty, but does it have the right kind of solidity in the structure? And is it solid defensively? So that's going to be the question for him. Like, And I, third point, I think what was important for Newcastle, firstly, I, I don't think they're going to make any big, big signings anytime soon. I don't even think in the summer window that's coming in the, like next season, I don't think they're going to make like, you know, £150,000 a week players. I don't even think that. I think their transfer strategy, and it's unfortunate for them because uh, they just got into it a bit too late, these new owners. But I think the Premier League have wisened up. I don't think the Premier League are going to allow Newcastle to just come in and just pay people dumb money. Um, I think they're going to somehow try and restrain them. Um, and... I think as a result, the Newcastle owners realise this and I think they're going to go for a more longer term, slower approach. But the most important thing I them is that they get in a manner who gets a kind of football philosophy down at the very foundational level. Because they can they can put up with Eddie Howe for like two or three seasons and let him train up a quality young group of players with some kind of principle, just like Liverpool did when we hired Brendan Rodgers, right? We got him in, he has good philosophy, and then obviously it stopped working, we get in Klopp, and Klopp just builds on top of that. But we already had a solid foundation. I think I think that's all they want from Eddie Howe for the next season or two. They just want somebody who's going to be actually a really good coach on the on the training ground, who's going to develop young players. And I think they'll make some shrewd moves. So I've heard like that Nicholas Sula, his contract's coming to an end at Bayern. I think that could be like a lot of players are coming out like, oh, my contract's coming to an end and Newcastle is an option for them. And I think those will be the types of moves that they make. Like not world-class players, but like a level below yeah. or even like young players coming up sense. to world-class. It's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I think. I think it's an interesting situation. I want to see, I'm, I'm excited to see, but I hope they do it properly. I hope they focus on the training ground, the structure of the club, make it good business. And then hopefully the results will come on the pitch. But I think it's I think it's five years out minimum before they actually start challenging City and Chelsea and United and Liverpool. Yeah, very interesting stuff. I mean, you know, if if <clears throat> FFP does work with wages, then they're going to have to find you know pay some top lawyers like City did to get away with it um, on technical grounds or however they managed to to get away with it. Uh, but uh, just you know that list of players that you know has been read out before. Um, you know, on Cop On and, and on other podcasts, so, you know, the list of players who are out of contract next summer, Kylian Mbappe, who's said publicly he's going to Real Madrid, and I believe he is, uh, Paul Pogba, Frank Kessier, Paolo Dybala, Usman Dembele, Insigne, Brozovic, Rudiger, 
Sula Bellotti, Andreas Christensen, Jesus Corona, Bubakar Kamara, who, if you haven't seen, is a wonderful talent from Marseille, only 20 years old, I believe, uh, Matthias Ginter, Dennis Sakaria. The list goes on and on. James Tarkovsky, uh, you know, Denaya, Kramerich, tons of players um, that could be very, very interesting for Newcastle. Um, we're going to, you know, skip past two games on Sunday, Man City versus Everton. I mean, come on, Rafa. That's all I've got to say about that. Rafa Benitez masterclass at the empty hat, um, you know, filling it uh, with the, the joy of an Andros Townsend screamer against Man City. That would be beautiful. Uh, and uh, Tottenham versus Leeds. We're going to skip past that because we, we're running out of time. And I just want to focus on the big one, which is Liverpool Arsenal. Now, Arsenal in the last six matches, they've won the last four in the Premier League and they have they drew the two before that. And that's as far as back as I've checked. I've only looked at the last six games. So they've drawn two. They've won the last four. They're ahead of us on the form table. They're in One fifth position. I'm beating in 10. Thank you very much. Wow. If they win, they're one point ahead of Liverpool which is crazy kooky town. Um, I'm nervous about this one uh, because I think, you know, our soft under underbelly, we're, you know, made of noodles, made of glass noodles uh, and, you know, overcooked glass noodles at that uh, in midfield. But then the, on the other hand, Ryan, it's Arsenal. It's at Anfield. Um, Mo Salah is my captain of my fantasy Premier League team as he is every week because I think he's going to run riot as, as as he usually does, no? Yours and everyone's teammate. Um, I don't know, I'm flapping about this, lads. Like Any any optimism you can give my way, I will happily take. Um, I just I really like Saka, really like Smith-Rowe. I think Arteta's got the balance right in his team. I think Tommy Asu's been a really good signing. I think Ramsdale's been a really good signing. Sorry, like I, I'd, I'd never back against Liverpool. I just, I just need to be told. I need, do you know what I need? I need a Damien Cavana from the Anfield rap speech about how Liverpool are going to do Arsenal, and then I'll be fine. <laughs> well, I can't promise you that, but I can give you some good stats. Right, hang on, let's bring the them up here. So okay, since, since Jurgen Klopp took charge of Liverpool, Arsenal have won just one of eleven Premier League games against the Reds. Uh, so. Liverpool are one seven, drawn three, and lost only one. Okay, um, what else can I say? Uh, uh, Liverpool have won their last five home Premier League matches against Arsenal, and our last defeat, I believe, I looked it up yesterday. I can't remember, but I believe it was in twenty twelve when Lucas Podolski scored. So I don't know if that makes you feel any better, Ryan. Um, and also um, shots. Uh, general shots um, from open play Liverpool have scored 23 goals and we've scored six from set pieces Arsenal have also scored six from set pieces but they've only scored five from open play all season so sure that makes me feel better they are good right? yeah there it is okay we got it so uh, <laughs> I think five from open play all season 
Yes. Yeah, I feel better now. Because I, I think we've been scoring in twos and threes quite consistently throughout. I think it's going to be a high-scoring win for Liverpool then. Get in. Yeah, all right. 23 from open play. It's madness. It's mind-blowing. It's... I don't know, is it record-breaking? I don't know, but we got 31 goals from 11 matches, averaging about three a game. Abdul, we're, we're going forward. Something's happened this season. Even Bobby Firmino's knocking in hat-tricks whenever he's fit. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's something... Something. I don't know. How optimistic are you feeling about this one? To be fair, I just realised it was Liverpool Arsenal on this weekend. I was like, what the hell? Because uh, a lot of... The team that I love beating the most is always Arsenal. Ah, I don't know what it is. I just love it. We just they just roll up to Anfield and we give them a spanking every season. It's just it's the best. And I think it's just because I hate Arsenal fans. But um in terms of this match this weekend, I'm just thinking about our midfield. Henderson is potentially not a, a, not 100% fit. We've got Fabinho, Thiago's back, and then Oxlade. I think that's it. That's three that we available weekend. So Unless we're going to change up system and formation, I don't, I don't know what we're actually going to do in the field. So I, I that heard that Curtis is fit. I don't know if it's true. Curtis no, Jones is not. fit. No, he's not. Oh, Klopp confirmed earlier today that he's got something with his eye. Apparently, he's really, like, really bad. Like, nearly like lost his eyesight. But apparently, he oh, has to be out grief. for a few more weeks. So, yeah. Wow. Oh, dear. James Milner's not fit. Caters, they're both back next week. Cater and James, and then. Uh, Maybe Nico Williams will get a chance in midfield. Uh, or, or Trent. Or Trent. Or Trent. Um, or maybe we'll maybe we'll change formation. We'll go 4-2-3-1, play Minamino, um, and Oxlade in a deeper role. No, no, Oxlade, no. Tiago, Fabinho, and then... Yeah, at the moment, it's Tiago, Fabinho, Oxlade. That is, that's got to be our midfield. Um, but yeah, after I think that, Hendo's likely to make the bench. Yeah, Hendo's probably going to make the bench or start. I wouldn't be surprised if he started, but um, it's just a bit. It's a bit light, basically. So um, in that regard, I'm a bit concerned. But I think Arsenal. I don't. I don't fear them going forward. I don't like. I rate Smith Rowe very highly. I do think he can cause us problems. Um, so yeah, we do need a good midfield. But I don't think Aubameyang's going to score. I don't. I don't feel like Lacazette's going to score or Pepe or. Saka. So I think, yeah, we just need to. I just hope that we've learned our lesson from West Ham, basically. I just want to see a good performance from us. Um, and yeah, if we have a good performance, we should smash Arsenal. We should. It's very interesting to talk about the midfield. I mean, if Chamberlain starts, I think he's a player, uh, Ryan, that if, if he's given space, <clears throat> then he can tear teams apart. But when he's not given any space, then I don't know. He gives the ball away a lot. Was it nine times in the first half he gave the ball away nine against West uh, against West Ham? Yeah, it's not it's not gonna do well for your nerves, for your pre match nerves. So it depends I, I think the, the the thing with Oxlade Chamberlain at the minute is he he's gonna be inconsistent. So if we get the Oxlade Chamberlain that was given the freedom of Anfield to do whatever he wanted, like we saw against Atletico Madrid, then great. Uh, and there's a there's a very real possibility that that could happen. 
and he said, haven't previously sweated about Arsenal because they're, they're going to play a 4-4-2. They, they, there's the possibility that they get over, overrun in midfield, particularly, I think, if we play Thiago in there as well, who's a brilliant player at, at just picking out the pockets of space. I think if we get the Oxlade-Chamberlain that we saw against West Ham, where he's got a grok like Declan Rice up against them, not giving him any space, then he's going to struggle. And if he struggles, unfortunately, given the, the shape of the side at the minute, given the players that we haven't got at the minute, if he struggles, then we'll struggle. Because one of the things that we need to be able to do is remain on the front foot as much as possible. We're not a team built to, to sit on our own 18-yard line and... and, and catch him on the break I mean we can do that it's not what we're built to spend 90 minutes doing so never ever thought that so much would be all on Oxlade Chamberlain but it feels like it's quite a fitting game for him to do it coming up against his old club and I just hope for the best for him because I do think he'll start I think it's weird like someone else mentioned this earlier but he's probably the fittest of our midfielders at the minute that's yeah, actually it's true. A, <laughs> yeah, wow. it's, a bit, it's pretty frightening. But uh, no, it's interesting with Chamberlain because yeah, I think if you like, if you compare his his performance in in Europe against Atletico Madrid, and for some reason they were just giving him the freedom of the pitch, he was brilliant against them. He was absolutely instrumental in our win. But um, you know, against West Ham, they were closing him down. They were harassing him, harrying him, and he sort of panicked on a number of occasions and gave the ball away. Um, and in this game, I can see him being also being harangued a little bit by the Arsenal midfielders, whoever they might be. Emil Smith Rowe, you mentioned before, Abdul, uh, four goals and two assists. He's Arsenal's equal top scorer. Equal with Aubameyang, who also has four goals. Um, Emil Smith Rowe's played a hundred. 893 minutes and Aubameyang 790 minutes. Compare that to Naby Keita, for example, who's played, who's played 383 minutes and James Milner, who's played about the same amount. So we need some midfielders. We do, we do. Um, but, you know, going back to the top of the show when Ryan was saying the league table doesn't lie. What do you think about the league table, Abdul? Are Liverpool really the fourth best team in the country? And if we lose this, the fifth best team in the country? Or is it just that we're going to, you know, we, we're going to kick on at some point. We're going to put a run together and show that we're much better than that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I said after the West Ham loss, I literally only posted two tweets that entire day about the football match. But it's like, uh, if we're going to get any losses or draws or bad football or bad performances, it was good that we got them out in the first 11 games. Because we really need to crush this next period. We need to crush going into Christmas. We need to crush coming out of Christmas. Then we need to crush the post-Christmas period in like January, February, March. So, yeah, I, I don't think we are the fourth best team in the country. I think we are the best team in the country, to be honest. I think we're playing under our level. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy how much we're scoring this season compared to like last season. Because uh, it doesn't even... It still feels like we're missing a lot of shots as well and a lot of chances. So we can still get better going forward, which is mental to say. We can get better at the back. Obviously, Virgil isn't up to full scratch yet. And then um, in midfield, we still have to nail a, our, our main midfield. So we have a lot of improvement to go, but I, I still think we are... I think we're comfortably the second best team in the country. Uh, I think City the best team in the country. I think Liverpool the second best, and then Chelsea the third best. I, I, I mean... 
on our day, I would agree with you. Um, I'm just going to share my screen, which uh, obviously the listeners uh, won't uh, have a clue what's on it. Um, there aren't too many, you know, naked people or or animals or anything like that on my screen. It's actually a list of Liverpool results. Um, and the Liverpool results, they go back to, uh, maybe it's a bit small on your screens, I'm going to zoom in. Um, they go back to last year, November last year, sort of after the international break, we started with a 3-0 win over Leicester City. Okay, that was the 22nd of November 2020. Then we drew with Brighton. Uh, we beat Wolverhampton 4-0. Then we drew with Fulham. We beat Tottenham 2-1. We beat Crystal Palace 7-0. Uh, and then we got into the Christmas period um, where on the 27th of December, we drew with West Brom and then we drew with Newcastle. So until the end of December, before we get into that awful January when things went absolutely awful, um, after the international break, we played uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. We won four of them and we drew four of them. And already, Ryan, the draws are killing me. They're waking me up at 5 a.m. And I'm, I'm having nightmares about it. What did I? I dreamt that Tiago Silva. I dreamt we were we 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 were losing a match one nil at half time, and Tiago Silva played for Liverpool. And I was trying to tell Tiago Silva that we can come back and win because we're Liverpool. And he said, "No, we can't because we're too disorganised." Can you analyse that dream? And are the draws killing you? We need to do better than last year. Um, so I don't know. The first thing to say on that is that we already are doing better than last year. Uh, point for point, we are ahead of. Um, I think I think it's game for game actually. That like okay. the games that we dropped points in last season, we've picked up points in this season. Okay. Um, for the largest part, so that's that's you know a good step in the right direction. In terms of your Thiago Silva dream, I mean he's a dreamy man. Like, <laughs> good on you. Well, <laughs> well, it's a very good analysis. I, th I recommend that, you know, a career in psychoanalysis if you wish to change. Um, to go back, I'm going to share my screen again. More results. This is from the year before. And of course, Abdul, this is what we really want to see because in 2019, um, the screens were green, green for wins. In 2019, after the international break, we beat. Crystal Palace, Brighton, Everton, Bournemouth, Watford, Leicester and Wolverhampton. And then we continued in January and we beat Sheffield United, Tottenham, Manchester United, Wolverhampton and West Ham United. And it continues beyond at the bottom of my screen. But they're just win after win after win after win. And Abdul, we want to get back there. Um do you think we can do something like that, Abdul? Do you think we can, we can, we, I think we need to at this stage. We've dropped so many points from winning positions. We've drawn already four out of 11 matches. It's far too many. Can you see that coming when we could put on like eight wins in a row, for example, Abdul? Really? Well, the word that you use there is the key, right? Need. We need that to happen. It's, it's not even a question this season. We, if we want to win the league, we need that to happen. And luckily, uh, over the last four or five years, being a Liverpool fan, when we need to do something, our boys always step up. And I love, I love just 
the organic development of this team. Um, it it never, even after we did that amazing year when we won like everything, obviously between two different seasons, but when we like won everything over that 18 month period, um, it was like we were at the top of the world and all those wins, it felt like we could never lose. But with this Liverpool team under Klopp, there's always a North Star guiding us. There's always fire in the bellies of every single player. They want to improve. They want to win more. And I feel that with the team right now, after the way that last season ended, I think a lot of players have a lot to prove. <laughs> and that is the exact kind of mentality that's going to drive us to do what we need to do. So, yeah, I feel confident in us. And that's why I think that we're the best team in the league, by the way. Not because we play better football than Man City or we, we have a better squad than Chelsea, but because I think at the end of the day, football is this beautiful story sport, right? It's not even about, you can get your XG and your XA or whatever, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to these beautiful narratives. And I think that when you come to narratives, Liverpool are just the undisputed champion. So I'm very, very confident that we are going to do it. Fingers crossed. I like it. I love it, actually. I love the optimism. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, Ryan, I'm going to, I'm going to go to you. And I don't know. I did, I don't know if I'm, you know, in that great run in, in 2019. I mean, looking at the results, there were so many nils, you know, uh, you know, we didn't concede against Bournemouth, Watford, Leicester, Wolves, Sheffield United, Tottenham and Manchester United. That was all in a row and we won all of those matches. I don't see it yet because then we had Henderson, of course, and Vinaldum, but they were sort of two years fitter <laughs> than they are now. And I can see Henderson's fitness sadly waning. Of course, Vinaldum's gone, and I just think we, we just lack the dynamism. Am I just being a, a pessimistic old fart? Uh, what do you think? Two things. Firstly, uh, this opinion is brought to you by CaliDesigns.co.uk. Uh, and secondly... Good choice. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I, I had so much wind in me sails to answer your question until you told me that Henderson and Vinaldum uh, were two years fitter. And then, and then it got me right in the feels. I feel, I feel what you feel there. Uh, and and now, Owen, I'm I'm quite sad. Um, if I have <laughs> any hope, uh, it's that Curtis Jones is two years stronger Ooh, from what yes. he was a couple of seasons ago. Um, and down the back straight to this season, certainly, I expect more from him. I expect Harvey Elliott to come back in and and be brilliant. But the the question still remains of a lack of bite in our midfield. And I think that's been our biggest problem so far this season. I think Fabinho has been missing for longer than you give him credit for being missing here. Um, and that will be less from here on out, I think. Um, I'm hoping that, t that, that at least one of Thiago and Henderson plays every game between now and the end of the season because you've got Fabinho and at least one of Thiago and Henderson will win every game. There's I a ball prediction. There you go. Excellent. There you. <laughs> well, it's all right. It doesn't matter. Keep saying it. I'm just convincing myself. That's all right. That's fine. That's fine. That'll do me. Uh, and I think that's enough. Of it. That's all. I think that's what we've got time for. Um, you know, thank the heavens, you know, whatever, uh, you know, gods you may believe in, you know, 
respect to you, you know, respect to you. If you don't believe in any gods, perhaps you believe in some kind of mystical energy field. Perhaps you don't. But whatever there's there only is one to god believe in. A man knows his name. So who knows who knows his name? It's a Game of Thrones reference. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Jürgen, Virgil, Mo. I don't know. I, I don't know which one you meant. But um, yeah, uh, you know, well done, everyone, for listening. Thanks. Uh, CaliDesigns.co.uk. The code is COPON10. Just do your, all your Christmas shopping in one go there. Um, thank you very much. Follow Abdul at watch underscore LFC. Have I got that right? I often get it wrong. Absolutely, that's right. That's the right okay, good. Excellent. At watch underscore LFC. Brilliant content on Twitter. And uh, Ryan, have you got anything to plug? Don't follow me. I don't like being followed. <laughs> Very good. He'll call the police if you follow him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. It's been brilliant. Thank all the, all the gods. That's what I was getting at before. I didn't actually finish what I was saying. Thank all of the gods, wherever they are whoever they are, uh, for, you know, bringing the Premier League back to our plate this weekend. And we shall chow down happily. Uh, thank you very much and uh, speak to you soon. Adios, Lars. <laughs>